freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Now, our theme today is called Frontlines. And a little later today, we'll be talking to the host of NRA News Series called Frontlines. But first, we have Chris Tisch, who is the co-host of Proclaiming Liberty on KKNT, The Patriot. That's here in Phoenix. It's a 960 on the AM dial. And I know that because of the wonders of the Internet, that uh, you can find it by going to thepatriot.com and and looking up the Saturday shows because you'll be on tonight at 8 o'clock on on your station. Right, Chris? Welcome to the show. That's absolutely right. Uh, Doesn't surprise me at all that you know anything about my show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was one of your first sponsors. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have been here. Oh, you're sweet. Well, with AZ Firearms, we, we wanted to be a part of proclaiming liberty, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so we were, uh, we did sponsor your show. And then we were actually on the Patriot yep. uh, just before we came here to Star Worldwide Network. So uh, we used to pass each other in the elevator once a, once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're talking about being on the front lines, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think anyone who considers themselves a freedom-loving person uh, a patriot, if we can even use that word, word these days without getting too non-PC, we really are on the front lines of, of a changing world. And we have to be focused in, we have to be diligent about understanding what it is we care about, and then passing that along to our circle of influence. You know, we have a child and a grandchild, so passing it along to them um, and if you don't have kids yet, you've got other people in your life that, that uh, you do influence. So, well, it's like what Ronald Reagan said. Hmm. We have to pass that legacy on to our children and grandchildren. Absolutely. It only takes one generation to, to lose it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have to make a decision. Um, what do we do if they come for our guns? And we have to think that through very carefully. Mm-hmm. Because what guides our nation. Well, it used to be a belief in God. I think we've shifted a little bit from there, but going back to what it used to be, uh, because you really do understand our history. Give us a historical perspective of our second amendment rights and what our founding fathers had hoped for, for this nation. Well, they knew that to overcome tyranny, the population had to be armed. Uh, we knew that they, uh, realized when the British came to the armories to try to take all the weapons that this was going to be a real frontline issue Mm -hmm. because had the British gotten those guns, we never would have had the revolution or it might have lasted a lot longer. So it started all the way back there. It wasn't just about duck hunting. 
You right. know, I mean, I get I laugh every time I see a picture of John Kerry or or uh, Bill Clinton shooting, you know, out in the fields pretending mm-hmm. to be firearms enthusiasts when we know they're not because mm-hmm. they're trying to take them away. Mm-hmm. And that is the agenda because they have to disarm a people before they can enslave them. Mm. Because that's my perspective. My perspective is they're seeking to disarm us mm-hmm. so that they can enslave us. Yeah, but we're instantly painted into the um, you know cuckoo bird corner mm-hmm. the minute we say that, and people you know tell us to put our little tinfoil hats back on and and run along now. Right. Um, but that's because they don't know history apparently. Mm-hmm. Or they know some, some watered-down version, possibly, of history. Well, every nation that has taken away the guns has turned into a dictatorship that wound up slaughtering their own people. I believe the number around World War II area, era and before that, uh, going back to the Armenian uh, situation, was 179 million people were killed by their own governments as soon as they were disarmed. So, we saw it happen over and over and over again. So why can't people wrap their minds around that? Is it just, it's just too big? It's just too scary? It just feels too over there or back then? What do you All think? All of that. And the education system is doing everything it can to enforce that. Hmm. Okay. And it is scary because like I said, what do you do when they come to take your guns? Hmm. People have to think that through because you're either going to die on your feet mm-hmm. or serve on your knees. Hmm. And you use the phrase when, mm-hmm. when they come for your guns. Yeah. You don't say if they come. For no, your guns. I don't think there's an if involved. Now, you don't mean necessarily that you are throwing your hands up saying that that uh, the Republicans are going to lose this election. Right. You they just could. mean that at some mm-hmm. point you believe it's a when. Yeah. And the Republicans could lose this election, and what? Because they don't have they don't have the ground game. There's no ground game right now. I think Donald Trump has uh, about 160 people on the ground, grassroots organizing. Okay. okay. Hillary has somewhere close to 800, mm-hmm. um, and she's going to get her message out. And she's going to keep smearing um, uh, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is not fighting. He's not fighting back. Hmm. Okay, we've seen this all too often. He hasn't mastered what I think Newt Gingrich had mastered, and that's the counterpunch. When they punch, you Mm counterpunch. And you counterpunch harder than they did. Well, I would say he he gets himself in trouble because he's counterpunching. No, I think it's I think it has increased his his um, his status among the American people. That's why he's uh, he's good. He's gone so far. Mm-hmm. And he's an outsider. He's not a politician. Don't forget the word politics mm-hmm. comes from the Greek. Poly meaning many and ticks meaning bloodsuckers. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that Hillary counterpunched herself and got away with it when she said that she wants the same gun laws as Aust- Australia has. Yeah. But yet you don't see everybody going all over and saying, oh, she's anti-gun and all. A lot of people don't believe that she's anti-gun or that she mm-hmm. won't take her guns away when she said she would do it. it. Well, she said she was going to do it right away. Right. You know, it wasn't even going to be a hesitation on her part. She doesn't she believe in get, the Second Amendment. She was going to get right into it. Yeah. And I always keep my Second Amendment primer, which was given to me by Wayne LaPierre. Oh, wow. And when I was at a uh, an auction out in, uh, I like auctions, you know. 
Yeah, pot of gold auction. <laughs> yes, I was at an auction <laughs> with uh, Bob Viden, mm-hmm. who was a, on the board of directors of the NRA and a friend mm-hmm. of mine and a NFIB member. Mm-hmm. And um, Wayne was there. And um, at the end of the night, everything was pretty much over. And he had a few of these. And he said, here, I'd like to give you one of these. Wow. And if you're ever in Virginia, look us up. So Very cool. I never went to Virginia. That's the, you know? Well, that's the power, though, of yeah. just reaching out and one person touching mm-hmm. another. And, um, you know, that clock is ticking away. It's almost time for us to wrap up. But I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you, because I think you, you have some insight into this, what would you tell our listeners is the level of importance of filling the seat on the Supreme Court oh. that was left open by the death of Antonin Scalia as it pertains filling this seat as it pertains to our Second Amendment rights, how important is that? Well, just as, it's, just as the Democrats will use a litmus test to make sure that anybody that they nominate will be anxious to kill more babies, mm. and I pull no punches. I can tell. We've got to have a litmus test to make sure that we get a nominee who supports the Constitution, all of it. Mm-hmm. We can't play around with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, are we coming up on, on our time yet? Yeah, pretty oh, okay. close. Pretty okay. close. Right. Uh, that's what I was saying. That I wanted to be sure and get that in. And so, you know, people that want to stand on principle and they want to say that, um, you know, I, I don't want to vote for that guy with the, the R next to his name. I want to vote for the R, but I don't want to vote for that guy. I would rather give my vote to an independent or maybe just stay home. What do you, what do you say? Bad move because we must hold on to the Senate. If we lose the Senate, the Democrats can block anything that, tr- that Trump tries to do. They will control the agenda. Okay, we'll see a, 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 a new alliteration of Harry Reid telling the Republicans what they can and cannot do. Well, they can't do this. Okay, they cannot, we cannot lose the Senate. Um, if Hillary gets it, wins, think of the justices she's going to put on that court. will have an effect for generations. Mm-hmm. They will never change, and they'll destroy the Constitution mm-hmm. because she is just like Obama, has no respect for the Constitution or the rule of law mm-hmm. because she has broken the law how many times? Mm. I mean, we could go way back, talk about Vince Foster and start way back there, but, I mean, this woman's modus operandi is to break the law whenever she can. Mm-hmm. So that holding that Supreme Court, even if somebody doesn't want to vote for Trump, they must vote for a strong constitutional senator when i say constitutional i mean that because we're having a race here Mm -hmm. in arizona with our senators Mm -hmm. okay and um i mean we had a guest on uh i think it was last week michael meharry of the 10th amendment center i'm not sure mm -hmm. if you're uh familiar with them but his he basically says when in doubt Mm -hmm. Check the Constitution. Like, instead yeah. of what would Jesus do, mm-hmm. what does the Constitution say? You're saying those are the people. Mm-hmm. That's yes. your litmus test. Those are the people that we need to be casting our vote for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, my pastor said the Constitution was the second greatest document ever written hmm. after the Bible. Hmm. You know? And remember, our constitutional form of government was built on Judeo-Christian principles. Mm-hmm. And one of those is the right to self-defense. Mm-hmm. We give up our guns, we've given up our right to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we become not citizens, but subjects. Servants, for sure. Yeah. Well, we've got to wrap up, but I definitely, I, I know you probably grabbed several ears out there that want mm-hmm. to hear more from you. How can they, they tune in and hear your show? 
Well, I'm on KKNT 960 um, broadcast um, from 8 to 9 every Saturday night. And I am uh, on the Internet, mm-hmm. 960 to Patriot. And they can download podcasts or they can listen live as we're live streaming. Absolutely. Just like you are here. Absolutely. You know? so. Yeah, we have, we have your co-host. Uh, I think we recorded with him and he'll be on our Father's Day show coming mm-hmm. up. Um, and John. so... Uh, John, uh, John Rosato. John Rosato. Awesome. Yes. So, all right. Well, that's Proclaiming Liberty. Chris Tisch, thank you so much for being in well, studio with us. Thanks for inviting me. And happy Father's Day. Yeah. Next week. I just had a birthday, too. Oh, and happy birthday. That, uh, one, that one I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we do any, either yeah. anymore. That, that was 70. Oh, wow. Well, you look great. All right. Well, stick around. We still have a big show ahead of us. We have an Army Ranger named Chuck Holton, who is also an NRA News uh, series host called Frontlines and the author of Making Men, Five Steps to Growing Up, right after this. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is Frontlines, in honor of our next guest, someone who has literally been on the front lines as a member of the armed forces, as a war correspondent and journalist, and is the host of his own series on NRA News called Frontlines. Chuck Holton, are you with us? 
Hello, Chuck. We had him a second ago. I'm sure we'll we'll be able to to raise him up here. Chuck, are you with us? That's that's the power of Skype happening right there and and live radio. Sometimes that that happens. Well, while we're waiting uh, for for Chuck to get on uh, the the line, he also is an author. And and one of the reasons I scheduled his interview today is because his book would make a, an amazing Father's Day gift as well. We had uh, Cam Edwards on earlier. Uh, he wrote a book that I thought would be good for Father's Day called Heavy Lifting. And Chuck Holton has a book called Making Men, Five Steps to Growing Up. And and uh, I'm definitely going to talk to him about that if we can get him on the line. Chuck, are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you? Oh, awesome. So excited to have you on. Dan's here, too. Hey, Chuck. How are you doing today? I, I was so worried. I wanted to talk to you today. I mean, the stories that you told us in Kentucky, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, they're they're still going. Uh, I've been receiving uh, text messages from some of these illegal aliens as they make their way up toward the United States through Latin America, and the stories they're telling me are, are absolutely amazing. You know, people want to say that we're just alarmists because we're worried about you know the what's going on between the U.S. and the the Mexican border. They want to say that Donald Trump is just a hateful guy, but you are on the front lines. You're seeing it. You're hearing it, right? Well, what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, the, the one of the largest uh, people migrations in history is taking place uh, from the Middle East up into Europe. And that's made a lot of news uh, as the Syrian crisis has displaced over 8 million people. And there are uh, other people coming from Libya, from uh, Iraq, from Iran, from, uh, you know, Ukraine, you name it. And they're all heading for Europe. And so there's, there's been a lot of press devoted to that. But what has not been reported on as much is the, the fact that social media has the ability to ignite these movements uh, worldwide in very, very short amount of time. And so what we're seeing is that people all over the third world are, are seeing these stories about Syria and saying, Hey, that's a great idea. Mm. I make, you know, here I here in Honduras or here in India or wherever, I, I make less than a dollar a day. And they're saying that if I can just get to Europe or the United States, they're going to give me sometimes more than $16,000 a year in welfare benefits just for showing up. Mm. That would be like somebody coming to you, Cheryl, and saying, hey, Cheryl, if you can just get across the Canadian border, mm-hmm. we'll give you $1.6 million a year uh, just, just for, for being here. It's like hitting um, the lottery. Yeah, I, really, it really is. And I have uh, just been reporting on this. I went to, to Panama where these uh, hundreds and hundreds of, of refugees are coming through the Darien Gap from Colombia into Panama, braving ridiculous arduous conditions. Uh, that, that jungle was not meant for human beings. Hmm. And some, many of them dying along the way. They're literally dying to get here. And as, as they come through, they all say the same thing. Well, I'm coming because, when I, because I've heard that we can get money. They're, they'll give us money when we get there. They'll let us in. And if, uh, if the current president, uh, or, you know, if, if Hillary Clinton doesn't get elected, uh, we, we may not have this chance again. And so now's our, our, our chance and we have to hurry and get to the United States. Uh, I even saw, I was in Nicaragua uh, a while back and I was in my hotel room one night and uh, CNN in Spanish 
was airing an infomercial. That's all. That's the only thing you could describe it as. It wasn't a documentary. It was an infomercial on how to come to the United States illegally. Oh my God! It was it was selling the idea to people. It was saying this is what you'll get, and this is how much they'll pay you, and this is how you how you have to do you know get there, and et cetera, et cetera. Here's the best way to cross the border. I mean, you name it. But Chuck, they're it, not. It's not a picnic. These guys are. They're dying. They're they're losing their feet and they're being robbed and that's correct. Ta- they're taking their everything but their clothes, that's and then correct. they have these big dreams that once they get to the border that they can just walk across, and they do, and they are. Mm. So I'll I'll tell you the rest of the story that I I heard since uh, I saw you in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met the when when we were in the Darien jungle, uh, we were standing there talking to some immigration officials from Panama. And uh, these seven Cubans just came kind of stumbling out of the jungle, uh, some of them hardly able to walk in really, really bad shape uh, and uh, begging for for water, for food, uh, and and their clothing was just rotting off their bodies. Uh, They had been walking through the jungle for six days with no food Mm. and drinking water out of the brackish rivers and everything. So we, I mean, you know, uh, out of our humanity, I mean, we, we stopped and we gave them some water and some food and we treated them and, and, you know, treated their, their injuries and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, they wanted money, uh, once we, we took care of their immediate needs, uh, because they had been robbed in, in Colombia and they had no money. Hmm. Uh, and they, they, they needed money to continue their journey to the United States. And I told them, look, I, you know, helping you and, and fixing your feet is one thing, but giving you money to help you illegally enter the United States is another thing. And I can't do that. Uh, you know, that, that would essentially be, you know, human trafficking on my part. Right. Um, I, I can't, I can't do that. But uh, I mean, if you, if you can get to the United States and get in, uh, you know, then good for you, but I, I can't help you with that. Right. Uh, well, they went on and Panama, uh, arranged for flights for them, uh, straight from Panama city directly to, uh, uh, Ciudad Juarez, right on the other side of the border from El Paso. And they, uh, all they had to do once they got there was literally walk across the bridge and present themselves at the point of entry, uh, uh, in El Paso, at which point, because they are Cuban, they immediately get asylum, they get given asylum. Uh, so the Cubans get some kind of special status that way. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, they immediately get let in and, um, given food and water water and that sort of thing. And I just so happened to be flying into Dallas for my son's graduation. And I, I hit the ground in Dallas, my phone rang, and it was two of these Cubans that we had seen in Panama. And they said, hey, we made it. We're in El Paso. Now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't have any money and uh, they had very, very little money uh, with them. And um, so somehow they were able to get a, a bus to Dallas where I was. That was about as far as their money would get them. Mm-hmm. And so then I took them out to, to eat and kind of just interviewed them on what their experience was like getting to the United States. And, uh, you know, going through Panama was the most difficult part. But uh, then the, the Panamanian government flying them straight to Mexico and the Mexican government agreeing to accept them. Hmm. Uh, essentially, I mean, what Mexico is doing is they're just shuttling people through their country right into our country. Uh, and and it doesn't matter if they're it doesn't matter if they are Cuban or Somali, 
or from Pakistan or Afghanistan or Iraq. Or if or they want to love countries. America or if they want to destroy America. It, it makes no difference. And, you know, I, while we were in Panama, it, there's a little refugee camp there and there were about 300 people in the camp. And 40 of them that we met were from uh, Pakistan. They were Pakistani Muslims. So I gave them all my number and I said, I'm really interested to know whether or not you guys make it because they had no paperwork, no paper, no passports, no nothing, hmm. no identification at all. They could literally have said they were from any country in the world and there, and nobody would know any different as long as they weren't in a, a bi biometric database somewhere, which most people in the world are not. Right. Uh, so they could have said they were from Pakistan. They could have been from Syria or they could have been anywhere. I really, there's no way to know. Right. Um, and I was sort of doubtful that they would be able to make it because they had they literally didn't have shoes mm. uh, and and didn't have any money. They had been robbed like everybody else going through Colombia. Uh, and so they they have been texting me all along the way. Well, they are currently they text me to texted me today. They're they're currently in Honduras. So they've made it through from Panama, through Costa Rica, through Nicaragua into Honduras. Uh, they have told me about the horrific treatment they've received pretty much everywhere they go. Hmm. Uh, but it's, it's obvious that all of these Latin American countries are simply just passing the buck. They're, right. they're hot potatoes. They're just passing them on North. Just get them on North. You can't stay in our country, but you gotta, but we'll take you to the border, the Northern border and let you walk across illegally. And then it's that country's problem. And, uh, and I have no doubt that they will eventually make it into the United States when they do. I'm going to go visit them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go see how I'm going to go listen to their story and find out how they made it here. Well, you know, that that is the struggle. You know, there's the, the human in us, that humanitarian that we do. We feel for people that are fighting so hard and and they're getting robbed. They're getting, you know, mistreated, just trying to get to America. But not everybody's coming to America out of a love for America. And so then there's that other side of us that wants our laws protected and so it really, it's not a, a real easy issue to just put in a box. But um, before I have to run to break, real quickly, tell us the, the story um, that you were sharing with us about, uh, we got about a minute and a half left, that you talked to some people and told them about one of our, our presidential nominees. Um, yeah, this was the same group of Cubans. Uh, once we were, you know, got them fed and watered and everything, um, we started talking and asking them, you know, why do you want to come to America? And they said, because we're trying to escape socialism. I mean, we're trying to escape the, the, the Castristo regime in Cuba, and this is our only chance. And they actually had to sell their homes and use the money to fly to Ecuador and then take buses from Ecuador all the way up through Latin America. Uh, and, and these people uh, were, I said, well, you may be sad to hear this, but let me just explain to you. We're in a presidential election cycle, and two of the three people running for president are running on socialist ideals, saying they want to make America more of a socialist country. And these people's mouths just dropped open. You and think? one of the guys, the guys with the feet, the, the guy with the feet that were really messed up, got angry, and he said, "Listen, I did not just walk through the jungle for six days to make it to another socialist country." What are you people thinking? You can't do this. You know, we need a really, T-shirt that says that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, they were really upset about that and are telling me, look, socialism is a is a system of limitations. Why would you vote for that? Why would you want that in your country? Uh, th everybody, everybody in Cuba, 100 percent of the Cubans, if they had the chance, would go to the United States. If they open the doors tomorrow, Cuba would be empty because nobody wants to live under that system 
because we know what it's like. And uh, they were very passionate about that. We made a great story out of it. Well, Chuck, it's that false advertisement that they're giving free, yeah. free stuff. Everything's free. Right. Well, stick right. around. You're going to hang with us through the commercial, right, Chuck? Yep. Awesome. Well, listeners, please stick around also because we want to talk with Chuck about one of the books that he wrote called Making Men. So stick around. Hey, everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are talking today on the topic of front lines. And our guest right now is Chuck Holton. He has worn many hats. He's been an Army Ranger He's a journalist, an author, a husband, and a dad. And first of all, Chuck, thank you for your service to our country. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, thank you for your continued service to bring us stories on your NRA News series called Frontlines to help us better understand when we're sitting in the comfort of our air-conditioned homes that not everybody has those same advantages and and what is really going on out there on our front line. So I, I appreciate you doing that. Well, you know, I get paid a lot better to get shot out nowadays. Than <laughs> well, that's a point. That's a definitely a point. Um, but I, I also, uh, you know, mentioned that you are an author. You've written several books. But the one that really grabbed me and made me want to bring you on the air right now on this particular weekend is called Making Men, The Five Steps to Growing Up, because I thought it would make such an incredible 
Father's Day gift, an expectant dad, a, a new dad, somebody that's been a dad for a while. I, I just think that it speaks to men in a way that we don't get to hear. So will you tell us, you know, kind of where did that come from and what is it about? Well, I've got five kids and three three sons. And I woke up one day uh, years ago and kind of had an epiphany like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to make men out of these guys. Mm. And uh, to tell you the truth, I really wasn't sure I had that whole thing figured out for myself yet. I think a lot of guys feel that way. I think a lot of, uh, you know, 20, 30 somethings uh, kind of ask that question in their heads late at night in the dark. Uh, you know, w- when will I be enough? What, what do I have to do to prove myself as a man? How do I know that I've made it? Mm. Uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of the, the behaviors that we see men engage in, uh, some of them are, are ridiculous and some of them are not, but the, a lot of those behaviors are really guys just trying to answer that question. The guy that gets a, you know, a crotch rocket and drives 900 miles an hour down the freeway, the guy who buys a seven foot tall pickup with flames on it and puts testicles on the back of the pickup <laughs> hitch, you know, I mean, seriously, people spend money for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan. So, you know, what's the, I don't, I mean, so your truck's a boy. Right. I mean, who cares? <laughs> but uh, really, I mean, so somebody's obviously trying to answer a question there and they may not even really be able to, to understand that that's what they're doing. But I really believe that's that's the case. So I set out to try to give my sons something a little better than my own flawed example uh, of what it means to truly be a man, what it means to know that you have what it takes to be there. And I, what I did is I interviewed a lot of uh, mature men that I thought had kind of figured things out, uh, guys like Oliver North and, um, you know, other mature men that I know. I, uh, I studied the ancient manhood rituals. Just about every culture throughout ancient history has had a, a r- specific ritual that they put their boys through that once they pass that ritual, you're a man. That's all there is to it. And you can point to that ritual and say, you see there, I made it. Uh, and, and then I, I read through the Bible for that same reason, for the historical aspect and, and uh, to kind of see examples of what, uh, you know, guys who did it right and guys who did it wrong. Sometimes it was the same guy, you know, just in different mm-hmm. times. And so I, I tried to boil all of those things down to their most foundational precepts, the most basic form to that if you could do these five things all of the positive aspects of manhood would flow out of those five things so for example if you understand what honor means honor just means to value things rightly to give things their proper place to to give them their proper value then you know duty and loyalty and courage you know all kind of flow out of that right and so I came up with a five steps to manhood as kind of a curriculum that I put my own sons through uh, and it came up with a, a manhood ritual at the end that, that they could complete so that they would know that, you know, look, by the time you're 12 or 14, I will have given you all of the foundational building blocks of manhood. I will teach you how to shoot. I'll teach you how to drive. I'll teach you how to treat a lady. I'll teach you how to, uh, to build things and fix things. And, and I'll teach you how to endure hardship. And all of those things are, are just foundational precepts to manhood. Then from then on, uh, my relationship with my son changes. Instead of being like a, a drill sergeant and a private, now it's more like two NCOs together. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I still will be there to offer advice, to be coaching my son uh, as he continues to grow, but uh, but we don't have that same relationship, superior subordinate relationship that uh, is so difficult for some boys to break out of. I think when boys 
try to make it into manhood, a lot of times their fathers just aren't ready for that. They, you know, holy cow, you were in diapers day before yesterday. What, you can't be ready <laughs> to drive yet. And, and so they, they hold them back and they, there comes this real tension between boys and their fathers as the boy tries to break out. Um, I wanted to set my sons loose and let them know, okay, our relationship has now changed. I'm now going to treat you like I would treat another man in my house. And that means that if you mouth off to my wife, you're going to get dealt with a little bit differently than you would if you were my son, <laughs> if you were, if you were just a little boy, right? I um, like that. You know, that kind of thing. And so, uh, it has been a profound a thing for my my sons to go through. It, it, I've seen profound changes in them in in the way that because it's like they get it now. They understand what you know. Dad's not just being an idiot. Dad's not just making their life miserable for no reason. I'm making. I, I really believe that good parenting simply comes down to the constructive application of misery in your children's lives to produce character. It's <laughs> kind of funny, but I'm not even saying that tongue in cheek. I am totally serious. It is the constructive application of misery in your children's lives to produce character. Not the destructive, not, not the destructive application of it, but the constructive, engaged, thoughtful application of difficulty in their lives so that they will grow because that's how you grow. I'm my son's man coach. And your coach's job isn't to make you have a good time. It's not to make you feel comfortable. Your coach's job is to make you win mm. and to do the hard things you wouldn't do on your own in order to make you capable of winning. And so I explain that to my sons. They're on the same sheet of music with me. And as we go through this journey, whenever they get to that point where they think, I, Dad, I just hate you right now, <laughs> which happens. You high five uh, your own self, don't you? Yeah, no. Well, when that, when, the, when that happens, then I have to say, son, do you remember the talk that we had? Do you remember what we talked about, that it's, there's going to be times like this and it's going to be difficult between us, but we're on the same side. We're going for the same thing here. And we made a deal and they usually go, yeah, you're right. You know, and they kind of come around. Um, so this has been really amazing as we put it out into the general public. It's been my, my best selling book ever. Uh, and what's really surprising is how much feedback I've gotten from women. Mm. Uh, and I, I get these really unfortunate, really sad feedbacks. Like, uh, if only I had read your book 10 years ago, you know, I wouldn't have married this bonehead that I married. Cause it or, shows them what to look for. Right? right. And that I've had so many women say, I just, I just didn't know what a man looked like. And so I went for the first guy that showed me a little affection mm. because I knew I needed that. And he was nice to me. And that was, you know, but he was so passive. He was, so, you know, now that I've read your book, I've started to see all of these red flags that I didn't see before. And so I'm going to teach this book to my daughters and I'm going to make them read it so that they will know what to look for. And it's great when I hear a girl come up and say, yeah, there was this guy I was kind of interested in. But as I got to know him, he was just so passive. There was so much passivity in his life. I couldn't I couldn't marry that guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm saving people a lot of hardship that way. Uh, yes. And. And uh, so it's it's been a real exciting journey with this book. I'm working on the sequel now, which is kind of the, the next step in manhood. It's called The Warrior. Ooh, Ooh I like that. When's that going to be out? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on the research and, and doing that basically journalistic uh, stuff of uh, tracking down real warriors and uh, gleaning their knowledge and then boiling it down to its most basic form. 
to make it palatable for everybody. Well, our, our first guest that was on today was uh, Cam Edwards of uh, NRA News' Cam yep. & Company. And um, he was using the term snowflake to describe the, the delicate <laughs> nature of, uh, not just guys, but, but people nowadays, college yes. students. And, and it sounds to me like your book, uh, Making Men, you're not going to tolerate, you're going to melt those snowflakes pretty fast. Well, you know, one of the things that we teach our sons is that, uh, number one, a man has to be tough, flexible, and optimistic. Mm. And, uh, you know, so we, we, like, I won't allow my sons to say, oh, this sucks. You know, if we're out working in the hot sun and it's difficult and, you know, sweaty and everything, I don't want to hear, this sucks. What I want to hear, if look, if you think it sucks, then I want to hear you say, I love how much this sucks. You know, <laughs> it's just... A, it's just Can I have another, sir? <laughs> yes. It's just a difference in your attitude. Yeah. It's coming at it from a different way. Yeah. It's because, it, you know, life is going to happen to you. Mm. You don't have any real say over the kinds of things that you're going to go through in life. But what you do have a say over is how you're going to react to those things. That is so true. Well, we are almost out of time, but I want to also let people know that, you know, this is your, your best-selling book, but it's not your only book. And uh, another one that I love is uh, Stories from a Soldier's Heart for the Patriotic <laughs> Soul. I mean, that just sounds amazing. Tell us a little bit well, about that one. Actually, that was, one of, that was my first book. Um, and it was a compilation of true stories uh, from and about soldiers going all the way back to World War II and beyond. Uh, that's just sh- sharing uh, positive, uplifting stories uh, true stories from, you know, the troops and the home front and things like that. And it came out right at the beginning of the war. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, it was, it was real popular for that reason. It was kind of like, kind of a chicken soup book. Yeah. Actually, my favorite book of, of all of them is uh, a more elite soldier. And that's my story mm-hmm. of coming of age in the Rangers, uh, going through training in combat and selection and things like that and having girl problems and difficulties at home and you know all that kind of stuff uh and and kind of what it taught me as i grew into manhood through my time in the military oh i love it and then uh you know they have a christian foundation to them so you know i i don't know if that's woven through all of your books but also bulletproof the making of an invincible mind is like how to be a basically a warrior for god Right. Well, certainly all of my books have uh, have that uh, spiritual component because I believe it's an essential component of life. You can't, you know, you're, the 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 stool that you uh, that supports you uh, in your life is made up of a physical and a relational and a spiritual uh, leg. And I don't care how big and tough and strong and rich you are, if you haven't got that spiritual leg, you're stunted. You 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 are. Uh, there is a situation out there that will bring you to your knees. And if you don't have that spiritual leg nailed down, uh, I don't, I don't care how tough you think you are. You're going to go, you're going to have to go find somebody who does have that part of their life squared away and lean on them as a crutch because you you're faulty in that area. I love it. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have to definitely have you back on again. I really appreciate it. Chuck Holton. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And happy father's day. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, stick around because we still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week coming up right after this. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at pottygoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Collier sent you.
And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Old Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, Dan, what an awesome show. I, I just think we had some incredible guests on today and got to talk about some really important stuff. We did, but we didn't have enough time. We never have enough time. We probably need to go to a four-hour show. You just need to stop it right now. I know where you live, okay? It's, it's just <laughs> once a week, Cheryl. Seriously, I, you know, at the start of the show, I said Cam and company, uh, Cam Edwards, does a show every single day. Every single day. I, I just don't know how he does it. I love doing this, but it, uh, it takes a majority of my week to make sure I've got all my ducks in a row and all my guests lined up. And, uh, you know, we do have two other businesses, so maybe that factors in as well you're doing a great job and speaking of businesses you need to keep an eye on our pot of gold auctions because we've got some fantastic guns going to be at auction at no reserve there's a colt uh a python and others so get yeah. on our website at potofgoldestate.com and check it out yeah we have a, a saturday auction on the coming up this month right the 25th and yep. we don't always do that usually we're first and third tuesday of the month in the evenings but once a quarter, basically, we have a big all-day Saturday auction, and it's, uh, what would you say, June 25th? June 25th, it's Saturday, and you, what you don't know is that yesterday, a gentleman consigned a four-seater sand rail. It's a really nice shape to the auction, no reserve, it's going to sell. has title and everything, it's ready to go, four-seater. Uh, you know what? Father's Day's coming, Cheryl. The Father's Day's coming, and also uh, my brother who loves things like that, is coming into town from uh, Oklahoma, Tim. Uh, and uh, he doesn't need to know that. His, well, his wife me. will never let him come out without her again. Sure, I'm a father too. <laughs> That's true. Do you have time to go play in the sand? Yeah, you notice that silence right there? <laughs> that's that's the answer. No, anyway, it's it's a it's a cool item and it's a cool auction. We got some awesome things in it. I'm not a snowflake and I like to get in the sand. Okay. Is that a, is that a t-shirt? I don't know. Anyway. All right. Well, let's move along to one of the things that I love doing the most with this show, and that is our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. All right. Today's story 
it's a little bit different than our usual segment, okay? A responsibly armed citizen did stop danger in his tracks in today's news clip, but there will be those who will want to discount the importance of this story because our responsibly armed citizen was an off-duty police officer. Those who want to insist that ordinary citizens like you and, and me shouldn't have guns out in public, they will point to this and they'll say naively, you know, see, you don't need a gun because the police will take care of you and your child who is being attacked and forcibly drugged by her arm out of a dollar store at 11 a.m. in the morning. Now, this news story was everywhere. Usually what we cover in our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report are the stories that you don't hear on CNN or Fox. You don't hear them on the national networks. This one we did. But I want you to listen to the news clip. And then I want to talk today mostly about what we should do as we enter these summer months when our kids are off at the mall. They're at the bowling alley, right? They're out and they're about with their friends. What would have happened if this mom hadn't fought this man off of her daughter? What stranger would have even been able to act quickly enough to understand what was at play here? Is, is somebody, is it a family dispute? Is it a, you know, is it somebody horsing around? What's happening? But this mom knew and she was able to act quickly and she wrenched the child away from danger's grip. In some settings, what we need to be armed with is awareness and a plan should danger strike. Our children can't be armed. They're not, they're not of legal age, right? So they can't be armed with the same tools that we adults are legally allowed to own. So we need to arm our children with life-saving tools and tips on how to not be a victim and not fall prey to danger. It's an absolutely horrifying video out of the state of Florida. A mother forced into a tug of war to save her 13-year-old daughter from a would-be kidnapper inside a Dollar General store in broad daylight. WTVT's Shayla Reeves has the shocking details. Shayla. Well, they did not have any physical injuries, but we can only imagine the emotional impact. One moment you're shopping, the next you're trying to fight off a stranger. Well, that was the reality for a mother and daughter. The pair lived through that experience Tuesday. Now a man is facing charges because of it. I want to take you right to this picture. This is 30-year-old Craig Boneo. He is expected to appear in court later this morning. He's accused of kidnapping and child abuse. The Citrus County Sheriff's Office released this surveillance video captured inside a Dollar General store. The man, now identified as Boneo, pushes a cart, looks back, and steps away as if to stretch. Well, nearby, a mother shops unaware of the turn this trip is about to take. She turns her cart in one direction. Her daughter is pulled another. The would-be abductor tries to take off. He doesn't get far. The mother chases and grabs the 13-year-old girl. A tussle ends with Boneo running away. In my 10 years, I, I've never seen an instance like this in broad daylight in a public area where a subject or a, a, the suspect would grab a young girl like this. And the picture seen on your screen is Deputy Jonathan Bainan. He was off duty, showed up at this location, and a store manager yelled, the man running away from you, that man was just trying to abduct a child. He was able to intervene, corner Boneo, and
and take him into custody at gunpoint right now. Uh, we do know that the child in this case has not been identified because uh, of her age and the child abuse charge. We'll continue to follow and keep you posted. The family has been offered counseling in the case. Back to you. All right, Shayla Reeves, thank you very much. That officer was in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Good for her mom for the reaction she did. She didn't have much time to think about it. You know, this guy was planning it. He knew exactly what he was going to do. She didn't. She thinks everything's normal, but she was able to overthrow him. And, um, you know, that brings up that question about the Ninth Circuit judge saying that we don't have a right to carry a concealed weapon. How, how do we have these desperate criminals? He had to be desperate. I mean, to do that in front of a parent has to be desperate. So we have these desperate criminals. And they don't want us to be armed to defend ourselves for it. Thank God there was a unmarked, I mean, a plainclothes policeman there. But if he wouldn't have been there, he would have got away to go do this again. Yeah, uh, and there's so many elements to this uh, for me. I mean, this he attacked a 13-year-old. Now, you think at 13, by the time I was 13, I was basically in charge of a, a household of my three brothers because my, my parents were divorced and we lived with my dad. And, you know, you think when you're 13, you can let your child have, you know, some freedom and wander the aisles by themselves and that sort of thing. But... It, you know, if it was a, an infant or if it was a toddler or, you know, something like that, I guess maybe we would have had them maybe closer to us. But you think by the time they're 13, maybe well, they've got a little bit more of a, you know, a bubble that they, they can work within that we don't have to be right there. You know, I, I could agree with you except for one thing. I mean, single parents, single mm -hmm. women, single men carry a concealed weapon because they're afraid that they might be attacked. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you think a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old? Oh, you could don't be mean, same? you don't mean single, like unmarried. You mean no, like you're by yourself, by yourself somewhere. Right. And mm -hmm. so, so we have to think about that mentality that it doesn't matter how old your kid is. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, the younger they are, the more you have to watch them, mm -hmm. but somebody could be attacked at 17, 18, 19, 20, 25. Right. We're, we are, we're living in desperate times and these people, they don't care it's, and they're taking risks that they normally wouldn't take. Yeah. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, I don't know, had the mom had a firearm, I don't know how it would have factored into this. Um, the bad guy didn't happen to have a firearm in this, but, um, you know, thankfully the police officer who was in citizen mode at that point, um, a lot of times police officers are not allowed to drive their cruisers home. They're not allowed to carry their, their firearms off duty and that sort of thing. And thankfully in this situation, he was, well, maybe she didn't. Maybe she did or did not have a firearm. There's nothing to say that she may have had one. Oh, true. But she, if if Good so, point. that's even better mm -hmm. because she didn't need to use the firearm. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not automatically going right. to result in. Uh, you right. Know, we, we have to think of shooting crazazy often. Right. You know, endangering others and the, the things that the anti-gun crowd want to say to scare people into saying you know, that citizens shouldn't have guns and that right. sort of thing. She so. might have been a responsible gun owner and didn't pull the gun out yet because she didn't need to pull it out yet. Right. So. Well, in, in the lead-in, I said, you know, we need to have some tips and tools on, on how to not be a victim. Well, that is not just a phrase. That's the name of an NRA safety program. And, uh, or no, it's called refuse to be a victim. Pardon me. So I would look that up because you can... Uh, 
look at it online. You can read about it and learn about it online. And they also, uh, all across the nation, people hold uh, seminars and classes on how to have good situational awareness, how to be safer while you're online and in your social media postings. And, you know, what can we do uh, when we are in places that we are disarmed? You know, if you're in the airport, so you can't have your firearm, or if you're in one of these restaurants that has their little piece of paper that supposedly is going to save our lives that says no guns allowed, gun-free zone, what what tools can we have in our arsenal, um, our mental arsenal of uh, preparedness to refuse to be a victim? So I would, I would look that up. And the best tool for that is to be aware. Absolutely. The number one tool is aware of your surroundings mm-hmm. because you can avoid them, you know, a, a dangerous situation if you're aware. But if you're just not thinking about anything. Well... And what I'm aware of right now is we're almost out of time and we need to hear Dan's tip of the week. A simple one. Again, we had a load of guns come in the store this week that uh, a lady sold to us. And I opened them up and guess what? Hmm. They're all rusty. Uh Uh-oh. They had a very light coat of rust on them, which was good because we were able to get that out of it pretty easy. But I, I suggest that people take their guns out of the closet, get them cleaned up, oiled and lubed, and uh, do that at least every six months to a year. That's a great thing because, I mean, pretty soon hunting season's going to be here and you don't want to take a hunt, uh, rusty gun out hunting. Right. And, you know, just keep in mind, especially when you shoot a shotgun, you're, you're shooting plastic shells. And uh, plastic shells sweat a little bit. And when they do... That, that sweat goes on the gun, and then it turns into rust. So it, it only takes a second. Just wipe the gun down. You know, use a spray oil and just wipe it down and uh, save, your, save the guns because it, it did cost her for that. Mm. There was a loss. The resale in the, value. Right, yeah. because of the time it takes. I mean, they didn't damage the guns, but they did have to be cleaned. All right. Well, until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Uh, All of them? All of them, especially the ones you don't like, right? Be good to each other and have a great week, and God bless. We leave you with these thoughts from President Reagan. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.